0: And the title of this morning's message is Seeking Approval, Seeking Approval. Let's start out by reading what we're going to be studying, which is Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And I'm going to overlap from last week, because I know that we went through verse 10. But we're going to to, um, touch on it just a bit, because it's fitting for what we're going over this morning. All right, so in in, uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians... He writes, beginning in verse 10, chapter 1, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Verse 18 Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning... Lord, hoping to hear from you. Lord, I know that your word does not return void. And so, Lord, it has nothing to do whether you speak or not, but it's whether we're willing to hear. And so, Father, I pray that for each and every one of us, we would have willing hearts to simply receive your word, to understand it, and really prove that in our lives by the way we live. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to you. We want to be workers who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling the word of truth. Lord, we want to seek approval from you. We want to hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we want to know how to walk by faith and not be stumbled or distracted, or overwhelmed by the circumstances that we are faced with today. Help us to know what it is and how to walk in that peace that You offer to us. Knowing that You are faithful, trustworthy. You are constant. You tell us in Your Word that You will never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, there's a man here by the name of Paul that knew that very well. And Lord, to him, just as we were speaking about earlier, Lord, he knew that with you it was a win-win. He said to live is Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What, what is there to lose? And so it's for that reason, Lord, that we also can spread this hope. The one that Paul came to know on the road to Damascus, And we having our own really confrontation by you on our own road to Damascus. Lord, we have come to know that hope in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we commit this morning into your hands, Lord. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on you and seek your approval above all else. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In one way or another, for one reason or for many, people do, whether we like it or not, we do seek the approval of others. People desire, in, in other words, approval is, is this. It's seeking agreement from someone else. Just Can you please just affirm, just agree with me, support, endorse me? Up to this point, Paul has only mentioned himself once, and that was in his introduction, identifying him as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But now the spotlight is squarely on him as he will spend some time warding off these insinuations and false charges that were leveled against him by his opponents, his enemies. We can see Paul's response that others not only attack Paul's message, but also his motivation for ministry. The reason why he was doing what he was doing. And we see this as his response, his defense is found in chapter 1, verse 10, all the way through chapter 2, verse 14. He spent some time defending his position and his motivation for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is in this account of Paul's life, at his conversion and after, that he is showing that he fully understands what took place. That is, that God had demonstrated such great mercy and grace toward him shows how he didn't go after the apostles seeking their approval or endorsement. So he, he, th- that is the way that he uh, defends, by showing, hey, listen, I didn't go to them for endorsement. I didn't go to them for approval, for affirmation, for a letter of recommendation. Paul didn't go on a tour trying to defend himself or to prove anything to anyone, but simply followed the lead of the Holy Spirit and understood that he was assigned... By the Lord to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He knew that very well. Paul was definitely not seeking the approval of anyone. And this is sealed by confronting Peter. In chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 is where we see how it was that he confronted the apostle that was with Jesus for three years. He was acting in a hypocritical way, and so Paul called him out. Whose approval are you seeking? Here's a simple test: Is it anyone other than the Lord? And that's a simple, quite simple test, right? Is, is it anyone other than the Lord? Who are you looking to be affirmed by first and foremost, preeminent in your life? Is it your spouse? Is it your friend? Is it your boss? Is it your coworker? Is it your peers? Or is it the Lord that you're looking to be approved by? Who are you seeking to get a pat on the back from? Paul was making it very clear that he was simply seeking the approval of Jesus Christ, of whom he said he was a servant of. And we know from last week's study that that word servant falls short of really... um, helping us understand the relationship that he understood between him and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not his co-pilot. He wasn't the big guy in the sky. He was his Lord. He was his Savior. And Paul, to him, Paul was his slave. I'm yours. I belong to you. I was purchased by your lifeblood. I was purchased with a great price. And he understood that relationship. You see, our attitude and our behavior and our responses are much different when our perspective is that. When we understand that we are under the governance, the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ, oh, we behave much differently. He understood what he had been saved from. And the question for us is, do we really realize, do we really understand what we were saved from? I believe it was Jonathan Edwards that had this fiery sermon in which he described in great detail the fires of hell, eternal torment. In the middle of the sermon you could hear the people starting to cry and to moan. And it is said that they even dropped to their knees and were were crawling, were were longing to just simply repent of their sins and to come to know eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. They were completely torn in their hearts and they were convicted deeply. I believe it's... um, Sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? Do we understand that? Do do we know that type of anguish toward that which we have been saved from, like an anguish of like eternal condemnation, eternal damnation? It's not just I'm just going to a hot place. No, it's eternal torment. We were saved from that. No matter if, maybe you didn't go off the deep end. Maybe you didn't go into drugs and gang life and all of that. And you didn't have this this amazing conversion, right? It doesn't matter. You were still plucked from that. From that. In Jesus Christ. And when we realize that, again, our perspective is different and we behave differently. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I believe it's the King James Version that says, Study to show yourself approved to God. Right? Study to show yourself approved to who? To God. Not anyone else. Not going to answer to anyone else. It's to God. Matthew 25, 21 says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. You understand that relationship. It it was the approval of the master, the Lord. That's who could proclaim and give the pat on the back and and really deem and, and say, You have done faithful. You have been a faithful servant of mine. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Paul is making it very clear that if he was making an effort to win the approval of people, then it would prove that he was not a servant of Jesus Christ. And so we need to read what, this, what he's saying. Very clearly, he's implying this. And then he goes on to give proof of his claim to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And I thought about this. If we were to be writing this letter to the Galatians... And we came to this portion, to where we were writing about proof in our lives that we ourselves are servants of Jesus Christ and not of man. What would we write? Would we have anything to write? Can you explain and show how in your life you've been a servant of Jesus Christ? Could you write, I've only been seeking the approval of the Lord. And it's by the demonstration of my own life. As I I am not lying before God. I'm writing this to you my own handwriting. And I'm giving evidence of the fact that I am a servant of Jesus Christ. A few verses we have before us capture a very brief look at the first 14 years of Paul's life. I, I think sometimes we go through these verses and, and we think, you know, it goes from, from this to that, and it goes very quickly. But he's explaining 14 years of his life after conversion on the road to Damascus. This is to demonstrate whose approval he has been seeking and what his motivation for preaching the gospel was. And he lays it out. So number one, God's word has a heavenly origin. Verses 11 and 12, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wanted to make a few very important things known to His brothers and sisters in the churches in the area of Galatia. It would be of great help to the church and to those listening to the Word of God taught if they would come to the understanding and believe these important truths about the Gospel, the Word of God, the Bible. I believe that if people truly believed and understood these important principles, then the response to what is spoken and taught, again, would be different. And we would see more repentance... Because we would see a genuine and true conviction by the Spirit in the heart of people because of an understanding of these important truths. What are they? What would make the difference? Well, understanding and believing the gospel is not man's gospel. I hear it all too often. It was just a bunch of men who wrote this. Do the people who say that have any knowledge whatsoever about the Bible? No. I can say 10 out of 10 people who say words such as those have absolutely no understanding, no knowledge of the span of years in which the Bible was written, by whom, and how it all comes together. They have no understanding whatsoever. And so, we have others that just parrot that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's a bunch of men. How can you trust men? How can you, you know, really trust what what they're writing? The Apostle Paul was saying, no. The gospel is not man's gospel. The gospel that I preach is not man's gospel. In other words, it, it is preached by man, but it's not man's it did not originate with him and it is not for the preacher's benefit to even preach it if he preaches it completely and teaches the whole counsel of god he is simply a vessel an instrument used by god to communicate his gospel 1 corinthians chapter 1 verses 20 and 21 says where is the one who is wise where is the scribe where is the debater of this age has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. What's the, this foolishness to the world? Well, it's really easy. And I said it last week, we need a Savior. Oh, that strikes at the pride of man. We can't save ourselves. We can't do it in our own strength. Uh, it kind of seems foolishness. I mean... Uh, God made us in a way to where we can improve, right? Can we? And like I said last week, how can you improve garbage, right? You just can't. Throw a little perfume on it. It's still trash, right? But we'll dress it up, put it on a mantle. Uh, It's still trash, right? Even on our best days, our righteousness before a holy and righteous God is like a dirty garment, And so that's foolishness to the world, that we need a Savior, and that our Savior had to die for our sins. So, so you're telling me that God had to come down in the form of man to die on the cross for your sins and mine? Yes, that's called judgment of sins. Justice actually was performed on the cross on our behalf. And He has paid for our sins, past, present, and future with his life. To the world, that is foolishness. And God chose human instruments to bring the message of salvation to all mankind. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Your feet are no more beautiful than when you are the one that brings the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. When you proclaim the word. when you Also, it, it's not just, by the way, it's not just evangelism. It's just not doing the work uh, of an evangelist. Uh, I'm, we're not talking about that. That's part of it. But when you bring the word to each other, when you explain it uh, to each other, and you help each other through, and you're sharing the word of God to one another, the Lord sees that as something beautiful. Because it's through the word of God that hearts are changed, uh, attitudes are changed. Uh, mindsets, thoughts, all of that, all of that is changed. Why? Because it comes under the work of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit as He gives us understanding. And He corrects things and strengthens and builds up. And he, he, through that, through His Word, shapes us into His image, and we better reflect His glory. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. That's why we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. We are to come together and share the Word of God with one another. And see the wonderful work that God has desired to do in and through us. People may have some really good things to teach people, the world. But it is God's word that teaches us the things that pertain to life and godliness according to 2 Peter 1, verse 3. So the first thing that Paul wanted the Galatians to know is that the gospel that he preached was not his. It would do us good today to keep this in mind so that we would hear God's Word as His Word and not man's Word. You know, when when you sit here, when you come on Sunday, perhaps you come on Wednesdays as well, It would it would do the church good to understand that what is being taught, what is being preached is not man's Word. God, I hope not. I hope that... What comes from this pulpit is simply the word of God explained. That's it. And that you understand that it's God's word that originates with him, not with man. And that's what Paul wanted the Galatians to know. The first thing he wanted them to know. That the gospel that he preached was not his. It would do us good today also to keep that in mind, to hear God's word for what it is. It's certainly nothing made up It's given by God, and and for me personally, I just pass the word along to you. We need to hear less from men and more from God. Exalt God in His word, right? And not not any man, not any person. It has nothing to do with the person. We are just vessels. We're instruments. Secondly, he wanted them to know that the gospel did not come from man, it came from God. Didn't we say that to begin with? Yes, but we see here, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the origination is not from man, but it is from God. And the gospel, again, did not come from someone else. It came from the Lord. He wanted them really to understand, to know that this, is the word of God. When Paul went to the house of Ananias after his conversion on the road to Damascus, it was not to be led to Christ. That happened on the road to Damascus. But for the earlier conversion to be confirmed and demonstrated to be genuine to the Apostle Paul and to everyone around him, that was the beginning of his effective ministry as God had ordained it to be through and in the Apostle Paul. Ananias simply laid hands on Paul and prayed for him that he may regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it didn't even come through Ananias. Ananias was just used to to confirm, to come and lay hands and that through that praying over of Paul that he would receive the Holy Spirit and have that unction for the work of the ministry. That's why he was there. The point Paul was making here is that he wanted to make sure that they knew that the gospel was not made up by him. It didn't come from Paul, it came from God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. And Paul was giving the detail, detail of how it was revealed to him by Jesus Christ. If this is genuinely believed, then the Bible would be read differently also. It would be read more and consistently. The time reading would be understood to be a time of fellowship with the Lord, a time of hearing directly from Him. We would long for our time in the Word. We would incline our ears and hearts even more in seeking to gain understanding of what the Lord has to say, that we would draw closer to Him in intimacy and knowing that He desires a beautiful relationship with us, and it would continue to demonstrate His love and grace toward you and I, all who would come to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I know we, we go through uh, the verse, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of, mouth of God. Right? It's like, okay, so we're nourished, we're built up, we're strengthened. All right. Oh, there's much more. It, it, just, it, it brings me back to that one time, in human history, when two individuals would walk intimately in perfection with the Lord, they would meet with Him in the cool of the day. And they would have this sweet fellowship with Him. Is that what you picture when you open up the beautiful Word of God? That He's saying, Son, daughter, Draw near to me. I want to speak to you right now. Do do we approach it that way? Do we understand that? He, He wants that time with us. And when we have the proper perspective of what we hold in our hands, what we have on our bookshelves, on the coffee stand, when we understand that he is waiting for us to break open the word and hear from him, he wants to have that fellowship with us, communion. He longs for that. We will only get to that place when we really grasp and understand what we have in the word of God. No excuses would satisfy us as to why we can't read the Bible if we understood that the gospel did not come from man, but from God himself. And so it's very fitting that Paul wanted to make this point very clear, and I believe he did. Secondly, he wanted them to know that he was set apart to reveal Jesus by the word, and he understood this very well. In verses 13 through 16, he says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my Own age among my people, his peers. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Paul reminds them of what is commonly known by everyone Paul's past. It was commonly known. Some people commonly know your past. They know your Saul of Tarsus days. Paul, though, was a very religious man. That's what he was known by. He was a very zealous man for that which was taught by man. A religion of many rules to observe and traditions to follow and wrong interpretation of Scripture, as Jesus made it very clear and corrected as he spoke to and confronted the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the religious leaders of the day. They they had a part right, but he corrected many of their interpretations. I am convinced that much of the church's history is stained by this very same thing. A zealous life of passionately and yet ignorantly defending something that is not of God, but is actually opposed to him. If you study church history, if you look back and see what it was that the church believed in through that belief did you would know knowing scripture you would know mm, that that doesn't match up with what I know the word of God to be and yet this was what well, was interpreted this is what was applied in the things that were done Actually, in a religious manner, was actually opposed to the Lord. Acts 9, 4 and 5, this was uh, Saul of Tarsus as he was confronted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus to go persecute those of the way, the faith, Christians. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, why, uh, Who are you, Lord? and he said I am Jesus whom you are persecuting what Saul of Tarsus he was a, a learned man he uh, he was a star student of Gamaliel right he was persecuting the lord i mean paul himself was respecting held up as an up-and-coming young man within the church. He was affirmed as a man of action and a defender of the faith by the people. And yet Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? Makes me think of so much that people are defending today. It has nothing to do with God because what they defend is in reality without knowledge of what the Bible even says or a perversion of it, a twisting of it, wanting it to fit their own manner of life and what they want to remain in, being stubborn. Right? That's why I said, if, if you look and see the Word of God for what it is, then you surrender to it humbly, Uh, under its direction and governance in our lives, and, and it serves as correction to our lives. We can't help but to do that, because we want to glorify the Lord. But it also makes me think how those who are religious are also tied up with what man says in the traditions of man, that they're also like Saul of Tarsus, persecuting Jesus without really understanding how. Paul was pointing out to them, remember this, remember this, this is where I was. I was a man who was seeking to destroy the church and thought I was doing the right thing at that time. You all know this. That's what he was telling them. The, the churches, the brothers and sisters of Galatia. I, I just want to put it in writing because I, I want you to know that I acknowledge it too. I was there. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to bury it in the past. It's there. And for that, we know that Paul was ashamed of that. And he did turn from that. It was evident in his life. Paul was excelling in Judaism, the knowledge, teaching, and counseling of the traditions of his fathers in the law. But then he also said this, verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his, by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He came to that. That's that's a beautiful beautiful understanding. Coming to the place to where he understood these very important truths about him. Because Paul was set apart before he was born, it had nothing to do with what he did, how great he was, oh, uh, under whom he studied. It had nothing to do with any of that. It was simply through the grace of God. That's why there are certain things that also uh, we have come to be gifted with for the benefit of the church. And that was, by the way, not because of anything that you've done or just demonstrated that you're, you're good at. It's like, wow, you know, Gabe, you're wonderful. You know, amazing. <clears throat> right? <laughs> <laughs> and for that... God is going to, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it'd be silly. For us, it'd be silly to think that. We just know that whatever it is that we've been gifted with, and it comes from God, we ought to just share it with our brothers and sisters and be used by the Lord for His glory and for the benefit of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16 lays it all out. If we today would understand this one truth in our lives, then we would be more grateful for the gift we have received and are called, commanded, to offer and serve others with. What is this gift? Number one, first of all, first and foremost, is the gift of Jesus Christ. The gift of God's grace through the Son. The gift of salvation and the hope of eternal life with the Father because we have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Apart from works, all by God's grace. That's the gift that we have. In these earthen vessels, that's what we have. Paul understood that God revealed his son to him, but also in him. And through him, as he preached to others. By the way, preaching is simply the proclamation of a truth. You guys preach all the time. Other people preach all the time. It's, it's stating the truth. It's heralding the truth. It's communicating the truth. That's what preaching is. You know, sometimes people will say, well, don't preach to me. Well, you preach all the time yourself. You just preach another message. Or messages. That's all. Remember that God desires to do more than reveal Jesus Christ to us. There are many people who know of Jesus Christ because he's been revealed in who he is to them. Even the demons believe and tremble, though, is what the word tells us. God desires to reveal Jesus Christ in us, and and that's what pleased the Apostle Paul. He knew that that pleased God, that God would choose him to reveal Jesus Christ in him. That is, that Jesus would be Savior and Lord in our lives, not just known about. I, I know about salvation, but do I know salvation? Personally, intimately? That's what matters. Sometimes that's what we have growing up in the church. People who know of, they know it really well. They know about salvation. You know, you know the, the Apostle Paul and others, they had read about it over and over again. But they didn't come to know it personally until that time when it was known in their lives. Paul was humbled by this fact that it pleased God to use Paul to reveal to people, to the world, this gift of salvation. And for this, it was good to be zealous, passionate about. This was good. He was zealous to persecute those of the faith and taught to hate the Gentiles. And now he was called to explain to them the good news, the gospel. For that he was grateful. He was pleased to do it. He was, he, he was overjoyed that he got to do such a thing. When we are reminded of what we were before Christ and how we were saved by grace. And on top of that, that we are also called by, God, by God's grace to reveal Jesus Christ to those around us. We, too, would be humbled and grateful and passionate about the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. We, too, would be. And that's why I'm saying when you get to that point to where you understand, you fully grasp it. Oh, man, I, I, I got it. Wonderful. Then your passion grows, your desire grows to share that faith with others and give it away. And then God glorifies, glorified by the preaching of the word. Verses 17 through 24 to draw us to a close. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am telling you, uh, what I am writing to you, before God I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. These verses describe a time of 14 years of Paul's life, spending time with the Lord in Arabia for the first three years, and then the following 11 years, briefly meeting with Peter for two weeks, that's 15 days, and then with James, that is Jesus' brother, and then traveled into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, preaching the faith. That's what he was doing in, in that area. He still hadn't gone into Judea, not to Jerusalem, any of those areas at that point. That doesn't come until the second chapter. But for 14 years, this is what he did. Paul was not implying that it was wrong to learn from others. His situation was simply very unique. And the point here is that he was not searching for man's approval. So we can't lose the point. The the point is he was not, by demonstration, by evidence in his life, seeking the approval of man. He wasn't trying to win anyone's endorsement. Paul understood that there is no man that could provide a letter of recommendation for the preaching and teaching of the gospel to others. Oh, I have this wonderful letter from the leaders of the church, and so therefore I, that that should go before me. You know, go ahead and read it. It's I know it's wonderful. <laughs> he didn't need that. It wasn't that. It wasn't how many likes he got on his Instagram posts. How many hits he got on his Facebook live. It was none of that. He just was simply faithful. That's all God requires of us is just to be faithful. And he was saying, "I, I didn't, I didn't go looking for an endorsement by anyone. My, my peers, definitely, not by anyone, any leaders in the church. I, I didn't, I didn't seek their approval either. No letter of recommendation, nothing. I just simply went, spent some time with the Lord, and then started preaching and teaching. Lived in obscurity for." basically 14 years. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-3 through three says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so he was writing to the Corinthians that which... He is writing to the Galatians in a way, just saying, Hey, listen, I, really, this is the beginning. This is here. And what he desired from the Galatians is the same thing that he desired from the Corinthians. That proof of the work that's being done and commendation should simply come from transformed lives. The work that we've done among each other should be evident. In our lives. Because it's for your benefit, as we just read, as it is for the preachers, too. So, it is truly a one another faith and ministry. You show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. To be known and read by all. As we see here, it is the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives that is the commendation worth something before God. If there is no fruit but the Word is preached and taught, then the teacher of the Word is simply being faithful to do what he's called to do by the Lord. But if there is fruit, then everyone wins and the proof is in the life of those who are being transformed by the renewing of their minds by the Word of God. Again, I remind you of Jeremiah. That's why, again, you know, the Word can be preached, warning can be given, you know, instruction given, all of that. And and, and if, like the Israelites, they were considered to be stiff-necked, right? That, that's another word for being very hard-hearted, very prideful. Remember, they were murmuring and complaining and gossiping. Fact, all of this, you know, they were like, oh, you brought us out here to die, you know, wish we could go back and eat filet mignon and ribs and just enjoy the life that we had in Egypt. It was like crazy that's that's not your life there but like Moses Moses wasn't he was called to deliver the people by God what if they all rejected him he still needed to be faithful to God and go do what he was called to do by God right Uh, Jeremiah preached he was faithful to God no converts Jonah was the weeping was I mean was the uh, complaining uh, prophet he was a little whiner right and yet God did, he did a work anyway, but he rejected and he wanted to go the other way. Was God faithless because Jonah was faithless? No, he was faithful, for he cannot deny himself. We're the ones that respond. We're, we're given the power to choose. We have free will. Right? So just be faithful to God. As Paul was making it very clear that he just was simply doing what he was called to do. And he knew it. And it was a gift to him. He was overjoyed with it. Paul was not looking to make a name for himself. He was content with spending many years in obscurity and then preaching the faith to some in a specific region for 14 years. But then again, he wasn't seeking the approval of man, but of the one he knew he belonged to, by whom he was purchased with the the blood uh, of Jesus Christ. And by this... Simple preaching of the gospel. Those that heard the gospel through Paul glorified God. As it says there in that last verse. And they glorified God because of me. So in closing. God's word comes from God. It doesn't come from man, right? Number two. We need to understand that we too are set apart by God to reveal the good news to others. Do the work of an evangelist. God is glorified by the good news of Jesus Christ you tell people about, in simple terms. There is an examination that is necessary in our lives. Has our faith come from man or from God? Has it been made up by us or someone else? Or is our faith by an understanding in the Bible and a true and genuine faith in Jesus Christ? It's evident by the way we live our lives. Again, it's an examination of our lives. It's for us to consider the things that have been written. What evidence do we have in our lives? What fruit is there? It's a good exercise. Paul thought he was doing what was right until Jesus revealed to him otherwise. Remember that. Sometimes we think we are doing right until we are confronted with the actual word of God. And then we realize that we have actually been opposing him, the one that we claim to follow. And that goes for all of us. Each and every one of us. I am confronted. Christianity is a faith of confrontation. It's like, well, I don't like confrontation. Well, then don't read the Bible. Because you will be confronted every day. Every day. I am confronted. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's right. It, it, it's, uh, you said that, Lord. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry. No. Uh, I feel really bad. No. No. Give me some time to pray about it? No. I just... I'm not feeling it. What? I'm confronted all the time. I hope you are confronted too. And in that confrontation... You choose right. Simply repent. Because it's not just I'm sorry. I'm sorry for getting caught. I'm sorry for feeling horrible. It's coming to the point as as I try and do my best to teach my boys. You got to ask for forgiveness. You have to. Otherwise... It's, it's only going through the motions. Ask for forgiveness as you're confronted with a word. If, as you do this self-examination and you ask the Lord to reveal anything that is not of His in your life. And just at that point, turn to Him. Ask Him for forgiveness. Repent of that sin. And ask Him to give you the strength to walk in a manner that is glorifying to Him. Not returning to the same thing. Paul's knowledge of the scriptures, just his knowledge of the scriptures didn't save him. But a belief in Jesus Christ is what saved him. Remember that it pleased God to reveal Jesus Christ in Paul. As that is done, then it pleases God to reveal Jesus Christ through him. As it pleases God to reveal his son through you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, as we think about who it is that we're seeking approval from, Lord, that that it's not from man, because it's not of man, Lord. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, through the forgiveness that he offers. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a people who are humble before you, Repent, recognize, Lord, where salvation comes from, and what we were saved from. Eternal damnation. not just a, just a simple separation from, from God, the Father, you, but Lord, it, it's a place reserved for Satan and His demons. Lord, a place of eternal torment. Lord, I, I hope, Father, that we would realize that. And with that, that we would be overjoyed by the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That our eyes are squarely on you, fixed on you. And we are filled with joy because we have the hope of eternal life with you. And so, Father, with that, we ask for your help. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.